0: Pastor Scott, thank you. That's a gracious introduction. I'm glad you're on the team, man. I'm glad. Well, good morning, church. Welcome to the locker room chat, I guess. <laughs> Fantastic. I love, to, I love to be with the Alliance family. I love my job. I got the greatest job in the world. I mean, consider the fact that I get to travel around across the world and across the United States being with the Alliance family. I was in Thailand a few months ago with my peers, other presidents of Christian Missionary Alliance around the world because what's in colonialism, I'm not running the world for the United States, but we now have 50 national churches that have their own presidents. And the East Kalimantan contingent asked if I would meet with them for a few minutes because they wanted to give us a gift. Various items, including a rattan basket carefully hand-woven with the CMA logo on it, and I said thank you, and they explained we're giving this to you out of appreciation because it was the Christian Mystery Alliance that first brought the gospel to our people. And out of gratitude, we just wanted to bring these for you. I was in my office last summer in Colorado Springs. You're all welcome to visit. If you're ever doing a tour through Colorado, stop into the Springs, we'll show you the office. And I was in my office, which has a great view of Pikes Peak, and 40 Hmong were there from Minneapolis having a tour. I would welcome them, but then I said, this is a little unusual to have 40 at a time. Can you tell me what's going on? They said, oh, this is a family reunion. Well, great, but that still wasn't helping me. Why why Colorado Springs? Why our office? And And then they pointed at Grandma. And they said, because before Grandma passed away, it was her lifetime desire to get to see the home office of the Christian Mystery Alliance because it was you that first brought the gospel to our people. The gratitude, the tears, the appreciation. And then I get to go to Alliance churches all across the United States where we are worshiping today in 35 different languages here in the States this fascinating family that we have with the Christian Mystery Alliance. And what I'm finding out, Scott, as I travel, is that the Alliance people are generous people. Uh, Generous people are fun to be with. Stingy people are no fun to be with, right? And I'm I'm not just talking about money generous because generous is way bigger than money. Generous is is a condition of the heart that is large, a heart that is big enough to receive, to embrace, to be generous of spirit, to be generous of time, to be just an embracing kind of people. And that's what I find out here at Freshwater and across the states that we have this really cool family. So what am I doing here today? Well, I'm here for three reasons, really. One, I want to stand in front of you as the president of this sweet family called the Alliance, and I want to thank you. Thank you, Freshwater Church. You are one of these congregations that in the Alliance that for years and years have been a true team player. In, in the sense that you have banded together with your prayers, with your facility, with your finances, giving to the Great Commission Fund. In, in lots of ways, you have a team spirit, and we really are better together. We believe that we accomplish more for the kingdom when we actually work together, and we look more like the New Testament when we actually work together than when everybody is just in their own swim lane doing their own thing. So thank you, Freshwater Church. You've been faithful in supporting missions. You've been faithful. Faithful to the Great Commission Fund. You've been faithful in so many ways. And I just had to show up one Sunday in April and say, Way to go. Way to go. Number two, second reason I'm here, I had to come and celebrate what God's doing in this place. I hear rumors Wadsworth Alliance, now freshwater, you know, good things are happening over there. Meet Scott at a conference in Colorado Springs and find, wow, we got a little energy there. Okay. <laughs> and And I just had to come and and celebrate that God is at work in this place. The Spirit of God is at work here. And some of you have uh, testified that to me already as I was here last night for the conference. And I just had to come and celebrate what God is doing and see with my own eyes. Because my heart, you know, coach has to see what the team's up to from time to time. So third reason I'm here is to invite you into greater participation. Now... That's, I just said something bigger than you think I said. Yes, I want to invite you to greater participation with the Christmas airline, certainly, certainly. But the biblical message that I want to bring to you today is, is one where we are being invited into a larger world. In fact, that's the title of this message, Welcome to a Bigger World. Welcome to a Bigger World. And for uh, the scriptural support for this, where I find these thoughts is in John chapter 4 the fourth chapter of John. If you have a Bible, would turn there. We're more familiar with John chapter 3, where it has a beautiful passage, John 3, 16, that some of us are aware of. Some years ago, a missionary was passing out Bibles, uh, uh, New Testaments, on a street where the Scripture had just been translated into another language. The missionary wanted to get it out, and he came across a rather rough-looking individual who was sitting on the curb of the street, tearing out a piece of paper, rolling them up, and using them for his own handmade cigarettes. The missionary came by and offered the guy a Bible. And the man on the street said, Well, you need to know, sir, I got no idea what that book is you're trying to give me, but if you give me one of them, I'm just going to tear out the pages, roll them up, and use them for my cigarettes. Well, what would you do? Would you give him a Bible or not? (laughs) The missionary, I think, had a whisper of the Spirit in his heart, and he said, Make a deal with me. What's that? Promise me that you'll read every page before you smoke it. (laughs) The guy said, deal. He would. Those two didn't see each other for 15 years. The missionary was sitting in the back at a church conference, and this guy was introduced to give his testimony. And the man stood up and said, yeah, I was sitting on the curb making my own cigarettes, and this guy came by and offered me a New Testament. I had no idea what that book is, but we made a deal, though. I had to read every page before I smoked it. Well, I kept my part of the deal. I read every page, but I smoked Matthew. <laughs> I smoked Mark. I smoked Luke. But when I got to John three sixteen, I couldn't smoke it anymore. And you know what he read. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. Should not perish, but have everlasting life this life giving messiah that we have he wants to bring life to our hearts and then as you read throughout the book of john you find the life giving ways that he that he that he comes to us the the life infusion that he brings to a heart john 10 says I have come that you might have life to the fullest extent. The thief, you have an enemy who's trying to rob you. You have somebody trying to rob you to make you a smaller person. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the enemy does. But I, the Messiah, the Son of Man, have come that you might have life to the fullest extent. So we find these ways throughout the book of john that he is the life-giving messiah making our worlds larger and i find it here in chapter four where i'm not going to read the entire chapter but let's jump in in verse four john 4 4. now he had to go through samaria so he came to a town in samaria called sychar near the plot of ground jacob had given to his son joseph jacob's well was there And Jesus, tired as he was in the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you talk? How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Some of you know the historical background. I won't get into it all, but there was this long, uh, many, many years, centuries-long division between the Jewish people and the mixed bloods, the Samaritans, and they did not associate. There was no social contact of any kind. There was no intermarriage. They just stayed separate from one another. So much so that if you were going, uh, you, you would walk many miles to get around their region, to get to where you wanted to go. You would not go through Jerusalem. And point one today of, uh, is the Jesus, he is the Jesus who enlarges us because he took them somewhere they would, they would have avoided. He's the Christ who enlarges us. Point one, he took them somewhere they would have, have avoided. They would have not have chosen to gone to go there. Have you had that happen yet? Where following Jesus led you to go somewhere you wouldn't have naturally gone? Because uh, most of us don't we don't we have the tendency just to play it safe and go with the known. What what we know feels safe, and we like to feel safe, so we just stay with what we know. And anything we don't know feels risky, and so we avoid going to places that are outside of our comfort zone. And if you follow the Christ, guess what? He has no borders. He's come for all the peoples of the world. And following Christ... I'm not just talking geographically here, okay? Um, it might be that. He might take you someplace you wouldn't have normally gone geographically, but crossing some social boundary where, yeah, okay, Lord, I, I, I'm following you. He made them larger by taking them somewhere they would have avoided. Let's go on to verse 28. He's had this conversation with this woman. It's a beautiful conversation. I'm sure Pastor Scott will preach a great message on it sometime. But, verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ, the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him. They had already been in the town, picked up Wendy's, and brought back and said, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then the disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you. Open your eyes. Look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Even now, the reaper draws his wages. Even now, the harvest, he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. The Jesus who enlarges us not only did he take them somewhere they would have avoided, he talked with someone they would have ignored. He talked with someone they would have ignored. I spent a year in a wheelchair just a few years back, had a serious health crisis, lost 50 pounds of muscle in a very short period of time, a strange illness. I was hospitalized for 77 days, and I was released after 70 days with a wonderful statement, you stumped us all. They were not able to figure out what was wrong with me. I went into the hospital, weighed 190. That's what you see now. I came out at 140 in a completely weakened state. Had to live on a feeding tube. My body was so weak there was no ability to swallow for the entire for a year and a half. I lived. uh, This was breakfast. This was lunch. This was dinner because nothing went down the throat. Uh, it was completely closed off. I was a, a very, very weak man. And in that wheelchair, I learned many fascinating things. I wrote about them in a couple books. But one thing I learned is the average American never looks down when they walk past a wheelchair. I was in the wheelchair. It happened numerous times. Just tell you one story. I'm in the clinic. There's two nurses. Nurses of all people should do this. But, but two nurses standing right here. I'm in the wheelchair and I hear this conversation. Have you heard how Pastor Stumbo was doing? I was a pastor of the church at the time. No, I haven't heard. I I, I somebody They're having a conversation about me. There's nobody else in the lobby. It's just me in my wheelchair and them, but they don't look down at the wheelchair. What's going on here, church? Well, what's going on here is all of us have the capability of overlooking people, of walking right past people, of ignoring people, because they're dressed differently, because... They're obviously from a different culture because we never noticed children go past and youth go past. Oh, friends, friends, friends. Jesus is the one who enlarges us and allows us to see those that we would normally miss. I'm calling the Alliance family to reach those who are overlooked, and every community has somebody who's overlooked. They were enlarged when they realized that he was talking with someone they would have ignored. Number three... He enlarged them in that he had a resource they hadn't discovered. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. He had a resource they hadn't discovered. Do you realize you can walk with Jesus for a long time and not really understand where the real power comes from? The power is not from imitating Jesus, trying to be like Jesus, a good thing to do but the power is from the same place that he received the power I only do what I see my father doing Jesus explains his power came from the Holy Spirit just like ours does he was walking in dependence upon God disciples didn't understand that yet they would eventually they would eventually but at this point in their journey with Jesus they didn't know that there was a resource available to them that they weren't yet experiencing. And that's possible that somebody in the room, your world, needs to be enlarged as you follow Jesus, as you discover more and more how the Holy Spirit can work in our lives in a genuine way, guiding us, directing us, training us. Never in contradiction to his word. He'll never contradict what he's already said to us. But he is a spirit who comes to us to walk with us through life four ways that, this, that Jesus enlarges these disciples in this story. One was he took them somewhere they would avoid it. He talked with someone they would have ignored. He had a resource they hadn't yet discovered. And finally, he saw a harvest that they hadn't seen. He saw a harvest that they hadn't seen. They just saw a region of the country that everybody avoided, and Jesus saw people that he had come to to redeem. I came to seek and save the lost. And there they are all around us. While you guys are just focused on getting Wendy's, I'm seeing people that I came for. So can you see how a story like this might impact people in Wadsworth, uh, Ohio? Can, Can you see how Jesus might be wanting to enlarge us Let me ask it from a different direction. Can you see how the world around us wants to make us small? Have you felt this as you've turned on the evening news? That the world's message is trying to make us smaller and smaller people. How? One simple way, fear. Fear always makes us smaller. When we're afraid of the people that are coming in, when we're afraid of the person next door, when we're afraid, 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 it will make you a smaller person. Now, I am not asking you to never be afraid. That would not be a fair request. I am asking you to never let fear win if fear alone is the factor. I believe that fear is a valid tool that God has given to, the, to the men and women in this world so we live a sane life. You know those no fear bumper stickers? It might as well just read Stupid. If you truly have no fear, you will not live long because you will drive too fast, put stuff in your body you shouldn't put in, jump from heights you should not jump from. You will do something. If you truly have no fear, they will eventually destroy you. Okay? So fear is a gift from God, but fear is only to be in place with wisdom. Fear alone is not valid. Fear plus wisdom, now that's valid. And some of us are being restrained from doing things that in your heart you know you want to do. The Spirit's calling you. He's beckoning you. Get involved. Step out. You have gifts that I've given you. You have talents that I've given you. You have passions that I've given you. And you're holding them back because of fear. is strangulating you. Fear should never win the day alone. So who, who's the most courageous person? Who is the most courageous person, the person who never feels fear or the person who fears fear, feels fear powerfully in their heart and doesn't let it win? I was the scared third grader who couldn't even get on a school bus. Too much going on in there. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to walk home. Forget that. And I know what fear feels like. I was a teenager who was supposed to stand up and give a speech and was so afraid, I bailed I bailed I bailed I didn't show up (laughs) if fear is controlling you I want to announce the good news that you have come to a Christ who can release you who can free you so the most courageous person is not the person who never feels fear the most courageous person is the one who feels it powerfully and doesn't let it win. I'm gonna move forward by the power of the Spirit, even though my knees are knocking right now. How does the world make us smaller? Well, fear is one way. I'll give you a second one. It's, don't know why it's been on my heart this week, and I don't usually preach on this. Bitterness. Bitterness is another thing that makes us small petty people. Our world gets really small when we've got bitterness churning in our heart. Where does bitterness come from? Very simple. All of us get wounded in this world. None of us get too many trips around the sun without getting wounded somehow. And when we're wounded, we have options. Grieve well or grieve poorly. Grieving well, learning to Admit that hurts. Learning to realize God's grace is greater. Learning to realize I've done a whole lot of things God's forgiven me of. I guess I can forgive this person of what they've done. And we release in this forgiving kind of way. God, I forgive. I forgive. And I release this. Grieving well. Letting the pain come in, but not letting it turn to the ugly Bitterness that says, they did this to me and I'm going to hang on to that for the rest of my life because they don't deserve to be forgiven. And, oh, what ugly, ugly things arise in Christians' hearts when bitterness has roots in our soul. Bitterness will make you a small person. So there's lots of factors in this world that would come to us to make us small, to just squeeze us in to this this little space. And if you're wondering how large of a person you are, let me just challenge you to do two quick self-analysis, okay? Look at your prayer list and look at your uh, bank account. Your checkbook or however you distribute funds. Look at your prayer list. Is it just really about your little circle? Well, I don't have a prayer list. I never wrote it out. Okay, well, what have you prayed for in the last three weeks? That's your prayer list, okay? Is it just about that I would have a good day and that I would have a safe trip and that I, that I, that I, that I well, okay, now I know how big your world is. And how about your checkbook? How big, how, is it just about your expenses, your expenses, your expenses, your expenses? Okay, now I know what, how big a world you live in. That's, that's, that's your world. I'm not asking to see it. I'm asking you to look at it honestly and say, God, I want to be following Jesus to the larger world that he welcomes me into. I want a large heart. I want a generous spirit. I want to be free to give. I don't want to be just so bound by fear and other things that I'm living small. Some of us are like the ride at Disney World. You know what I'm talking about? When I was 11 years old, my mother took us to Disney World, and I was so excited. What a, Walt, Walt, you're my hero. Pirates shooting each other in the Caribbean, you know, on a boat ride in the dark. Fantastic. And speaking of dark, Space Mountain getting to go in, zoom, zoom, in in the dark on a roller coaster. Oh, I loved it, loved it. Then mother announced, let's go in here. No, Walt, what were you thinking? Dolls. Croning dolls dressed up like Swedish milkmaids. Um, I wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat. Forty years later, with visions of Swedish milkmaids with grotesque mouths singing over and over again a song once once heard can never be forgotten. You know what I'm talking about? It's a small world after all. Oh, oh. I think I know what Walt was trying to do. I think he was trying to say, see, we're all just kind of alike and world peace and la 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 la, and I wanna say for a lot of people the world has become way too small. Just centering around ourselves. I ran into a employee of Disney World when I spoke at Alliance Church in Florida And he said, I know the man that ran the small world ride for 27 years. And then he just made the comment, he was weird. (laughs) You'd have to be. You'd have to be weird. (laughs) And the simple point I'm making is God never intended us to go round and round in a really small world. He calls us to be large of spirit, large of heart, breaking through with boundaries of fear, breaking, being released from the bondage of bitterness and becoming large in heart. If you follow Christ, he will make you a larger person and you will live in a larger world, and you will have experiences that others just read about, and you'll have adventures that others just dream about because now you are walking in the Spirit, following the Spirit where He is taking you, and I'm inviting you into that journey because it's sweet. Anybody nervous right now? (laughs) No, I didn't come to church today. I just want to stay in my little comfort zone. I guess one other factor needs to be brought into this message. Do you believe that he's good? Really? Really? Do you believe that he's good? Because if you're not sure whether he's good or not, then it's fair for you to not really trust him. Why would you trust someone that you're not convinced that he has your best interest in mind, that he's good? So if the goodness of God hasn't been firmly established in your heart and you're still reeling from an oppressive uh, family situation or abusive uh, situation from the past and you're seeing God through that filter and I'm not sure if I can really trust him, okay, I, 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 please, please, please give yourself the grace and time and, and, and pursue that healing process. But at some point in your Christian journey, may God give you the joy of realizing how sweet how good he is, how kind he is, how wise he is, and that he will never ask anything from us that does not make us larger, more beautiful, more loving, more winsome, more wonderful people. He is the Christ. (laughs) It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's this goodness that is stored up for us in heaven because he has so much goodness according to the Psalms that heaven itself cannot contain it all. But once in a while, his goodness splashes over into our lives and we experience it the goodness that he has stored up for those who love him. He is good. And he wants to make us larger people. And you're part of this family that has been enlarged to be embracing the world. Let me show you a few stories and pictures. This whole story of the alliance started at a camp up in Maine as some Christians got together and realized there was more that God wanted to do in this world than they were currently experiencing. 130 years later, that makes its way all the way to places like Senegal in West Africa, where some of the world's least reached peoples live. People that do not have access to Bibles, do not know the name of Jesus other than through Islamic teaching. And there they send their boys to the capital city to learn the Koran and to be trained by the local imam at the mosque. But instead of getting a good education, they're sent out into the streets with tomato cans to beg from motorists and others for money for the mosque. There's so many of these boys in West Africa that they're actually called tomato can boys They're just so abundant. We've come alongside with teams that you have supported through your giving to the Great Commission Fund and come to give them a a, a different option to get to know them personally, to train them in vocational skills, auto repair, even put a little soccer field, the net behind on top of that building is a tiny little place to kick a ball and introducing the true love of Jesus to them. Not just boys. The motto in Senegal, listen closely, The local proverb, to educate a woman is to water another man's garden. Why would you bother spending money as a dad to educate your daughter when she's just going to get married to some other family and you're going to lose that investment? That's the way they think. We believe that is an opportunity for us to minister to women in Senegal through literacy training, friendship, getting to know them, and uh, and teaching them how to read, obviously using the Bible as part of that curriculum, introducing them to a a relationship with Christ. Still in Africa, but one of the world's poorest countries in in, in the Sahara, Burkina Faso, formerly Upper Volta, where the Alliance has many strong churches that are vibrant, in their faith and, and sharing Jesus joyfully. Uh, we are in leadership training there to continue to pass the church off in such a way that they have strong national leaders. But there's one region of Burkina Faso. Various languages people groups villages, you know that are tucked away in places that the media never gets to But in the sands of the Sahara There's there's dozens of villages that have resisted our missionaries and our evangelists for years and years have not wanted the presence of the gospel there But in just the last few years there is uh, with the, the hard work of tilling the ground through praying and, sca- and, and just uh, seeking to bring the love of Jesus. A season of harvest has now come to that region. Uh, the fruit is being born, and there are now f- almost somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 churches that have sprung up in this region as a result of a move of God on the Burkina Faso-Mali border. And bonus points if you can see the little feet sticking out from behind Mama's back there as she goes to get her water from the well. Women are still going to get water from the well and are still encountering Jesus. (laughs) I'm jumping continents over to Indonesia on one of the thousands of islands of Indonesia is uh, the, uh, has the section called what we call Papua. Um, Our friends, the Adams, are some of the teammates that you are supporting. You know, one thing I love about the Great Commission Fund is like this really cool mutual fund. Are you with me? You don't just have to choose one missionary that you invest in. You get to invest in all 700 of them with one gift. And and so these are teams that you're supporting right now. Uh, We have vibrant churches throughout that island. Uh, You can see this woman reading her Bible on the floor of the church, no chairs. And you see her offering that is with her, the sweet potato. Quite a challenge to get to some of these places, but on a recent trip, Todd and, De- Todd and Debbie had the privilege of celebrating the moment when the local medicine man, the witch doctor, who for decades had been practicing satanic rituals as he went to his hut and brought out various items from his hut that have been, are to be kept in the dark at all times, instruments of magic that he had used for the decades uh, to appease the spirit world, And he brought them out one at a time, acknowledged what they were, put it into the bonfire, renounced his former practices, declared his faith in Jesus Christ, and was baptized in one of the coolest baptistries that I've seen. And in his baptism, uh, with his testimony, three other local witch doctors professed their faith in Christ and gave their hearts to the Lord as well. And some of you are thinking, I'm telling a 40-year-old story. Look closely at the picture. Next to the Burger King hat, there is an iPad filming this whole thing. (laughs) You've heard so much about the Syrian crisis. You may not be aware that the Alliance family, you have 17 sister churches worshiping Jesus today in Syria. The only half the church still lives in Syria. You guys have all fled. You live in Berlin or France or Sacramento. You didn't have enough money to flee, and so you're still in country, the poor, but the church in the Alliance. 17 of them is just as full today inside of Syria because of all the people that are coming to find out who the real Christ is. Across the border, small alliance congregations have been praying for years about how do we reach more people? God, we want to reach more people. And then there's the flood of refugees that come. And so family by family, home by home, uh, with the help of the U.S. alliance as we've come to support, we've we've come to minister what are the needs Needs the refugees. Well, the kids, kids hadn't been in school for, for a long time. Let's provide a school for the Syrian kids. Uh, they, they are living in places that, that need supplies. So let's bring them mattresses and let's find out what their other needs are. Let's hear their stories. Refugees rarely get a chance to share the, the crisis of their stories. And home by home, family by family, 5,000 families have been ministered to since the crisis broke out. And on the stories go that I don't have time to tell of the Spirit of God working across the continents, drawing lives to himself, seeing people from Lake Michigan (laughs) uh, all the way to the farthest reaches of the world that are encountering Jesus because, why? Hearts that have grown large... In churches like ours that are bringing the message of jesus to the world you see i bring you this message and i close this message as pastor scott comes back to to lead us in a closing song i bring you this message not just for your sake although i really do care about you living a larger life but i bring you this message for the sake of the two billion people who still have not had the opportunity to know of Jesus' love and forgiveness. If our hearts are large, they get to hear. If our hearts are small, they don't. One last story. This last year in the Middle East, a country that I won't name, one of our international workers, we don't call them missionaries there for their own protection, but one of our international workers, a female, was having a women's Bible study around her kitchen table. Don't picture a women's Bible study here. Picture women dressed in their Muslim garb, sneaking through the alleys to get into this home to gather around a single copy of the Scripture that is not to be in their presence, and they are not to be in the presence of this book, but they come and they gather around, and our missionary is explaining, you know, the scripture to them, and she gets interrupted in this one particular Bible study by one of the Muslim women who says, I'm sorry, I don't want to embarrass you. You probably don't realize what you just said. You're just learning the Arabic language, and you probably made a language mistake, but you just told us that we could be forgiven of everything that we've ever done certainly i misunderstood you because that's impossible no our worker said that's exactly what i meant to say because that's exactly what the gospel is that jesus provides forgiveness to anyone who will come to him friends we believe it is a human rights issue that you can live 2,000 years after christ and still not know that forgiveness is available whether you want to receive that or not that's your decision that's your decision don't force that on anybody but at least to know to at least to know that the christ has come has paid for our sin forgiveness is available everybody should have the privilege of knowing that message when our hearts are large they do I welcome you to the world of large-heartedness. God bless you.